I would like to start off with saying that I totally forgot to show up for the sound check, and so that was totally my fault. And I feel like I w- I've been a sound person. Close your ears, Travis, because I don't want to be a sound person. But they do an amazing job, and you usually never mention, notice the sound person unless something goes wrong, because probably because the person didn't show up for the sound check. So can we just give the sound guys a hand? They're, they're pretty awesome. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks a lot, guys. Um, so, uh, first off, thanks for everyone that showed up this morning. I know during the summertime, you take a tiny bit of extra effort to get out and get here. Um, hi to those who are online. Uh, thanks for being here. And um, as you've heard a couple times, I was a little worried that they let it out of the bag early, but no one went running streaming. But I am not Brent Hudson. Uh, I don't, you can tell by my lack of muscles, good looks, Spartacus chin, uh, general sporty spiceness. Uh, you know, he, he is out um, on vacation with his family, though I did take a quick look at Facebook, and I think he might be watching. So hi, Brent. Say, everyone say hi. Hi, Brent. Um, so uh, as you heard, my name is Matt, and uh, I get the privilege of teaching first through third graders. They are my favorite at base camp most Sunday mornings. Uh, you might have also saw me in the Fusion Productions during the school year. Uh, I get the privilege of working with Julie Hudson, who is amazing, uh, doing the intro sketch. And uh, I was thinking about it, and Julie obviously is the straight man or the straight person, right? Um, and I play the other role, and I'm like, what is that other role called? And so I looked it up on Wikipedia, where you can find all knowledge. And uh, it turns out that I am the funny man. I am the less sophisticated, kind of dumb um, person who sets up the straight man for all the jokes. And uh, they, so, so I'm the funny man, but it's also another thing that I am is the banana man. The bana- like, who, who came up with the banana man? I, I don't know why that struck me. I knew, like, hey, that's probably going to not land super funny, but I thought it was pretty awesome. So uh, in base camp, at the end of most stories, uh, I do this thing, and uh, it doesn't always go super well, but I do this thing where, hmm, I bet some parents are going to ask their kid what they learned in base camp today. So I kind of want to see, like, did they get anything? Did they get the nugget? Did they get the, did they get the bottom line? We try to at least have one thing that they could remember. So it goes something like this. Mm, hey, Jimmy, uh, what did you learn in base camp today? Uh, I don't really remember. Really? Like, it was like five seconds ago. Yeah, I, I just been thinking about lunch. Um, so, Jimmy, was there, like, a Bible story or something? Oh, yeah. I... I uh, oh, yeah, Matt's a banana man. A banana man? Like, well, I'm kind of scared to ask, what does that even mean? Uh, well, uh, he is the unsophisticated um, part of a comedic duo who sets up the straight man. Now, if it went like that, hopefully it wouldn't, because that probably was not the bottom line for the day. I'd actually put it in the wind, because at least he heard something. And so I'm hoping maybe you'll hear something more than what a banana man is today, but uh, if you got that, I'll take it. So, let's pray. Hey, God... Um, Thank you for showing up this morning and um, helping us to know more about you. God, please use my unsophisticated, my, uh, my stumbling, my ums and buts, and my looking at my notes. God, work through those things to touch people's lives this morning. Let your spirit come, and even if I say peanut butter and jelly, God, you can use peanut butter and jelly to change someone's heart this morning because you love them so much, even more than my preparation or any of those things. So God, show up this morning. We're looking for you. We're hungry for what you want to do this morning. And God, just let us know how much you love you. Amen. All right. So as you heard, we're going to continue our series called Revision. Uh, it's, we're looking at lesser-known characters from, and stories from the Bible, mostly the Old Testament. Probably people that you've maybe heard of, but you don't know if their full stories or maybe haven't heard of at all. And, and often, um, <coughs> you, 
you hear like the stories, you can probably say, I can kind of remember what the story of Abraham was. I could probably store, remember like what Moses, there's like some Ten Commandments or something. David, yeah, he like killed Goliath. But there's a bunch of other amazing men and women in the Bible, in the story, in the Bible that we can learn some, some awesome things from. And I, I love how like, if you look at these Bible stories, there's so many like examples of just super ordinary people that God shows up and does things with them in extraordinary ways. They're just living their life, which is exciting because I feel like sometimes I just, I'm just living my life. But God shows up and gives them just a small act of faith that they could choose to step out into, and then another and another. And those add up to something really significant. And I bet if some of them would go, hmm, they would not imagine that we would be talking about them thousands of years later. Because again, they were, they were just going through their lives. In fact, and they just did what God asked them to do, and often they really did it reluctantly. Like, they, they weren't sure that this was even something they should do. So today we're going to talk about one of those people named Gideon. He's found in the Old Testament in Judges 6 and 7. Uh, and we won't go through every detail. I'd really encourage you to check out the story. It'll probably take you like 10, 15 minutes uh, to read two chapters. Because uh, there's lots of interesting little tidbits in the story that you're like, really? Like, that happened? That, that's, that's crazy. And so, um, but if we look at the story of Gideon, uh, it kind of shows us that when God shows up and he can take someone in their ordinary and maybe actually pretty bad circumstances of life, he can show up and use them to do something extraordinary. And I, I'm, I really hope that um, you will be inspired by uh, what happened in Gideon's life and that we could better embrace when that moment might come up in our own lives. And the thing that's interesting is, like, Gideon is not a perfect guy by any means. Like, he just, as far as I can tell, he's just an average Joe just trying to live his life. He, in fact, you'll see, you'll see in the story, like, he doubts God, like, over and over. And so we often think he's almighty hero of faith. But again, most of the times, they were just regular people who had doubts and insecurities like the rest of us. But eventually they chose to um, allow God to have a significance in their life. So uh, our first kind of lesson that we hope to learn from uh, Gideon's life is that we need to discover our identity. So <clears throat> this is where it starts. If if you, um, you can't really totally, I feel like you can't really totally do what God wants you to do if you don't know who you are in God, if you don't see yourself like God sees you. So we're going to check out um, this first verse in Judges chapter 6, uh, probably in your notes, and you can see it up on the screen. It says, Gideon, son of Joash, was threshing wheat at the bottom of a wine press to hide the grain from the Midianites. The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. So, a little bit of context here. Um, with the people of Israel, there was this kind of common pattern that you see through, especially this period of time in, in their history. Uh, what would happen is Israel was God's set-apart people, and, but they would be like living life, and their neighbors and the distractions of life and the religions of their neighbors would often kind of rub off on them. And they would start turning away from God, doing their own thing, and starting to worship these other gods or practice these other religions. And God's like, hey, like, you can do, I'm, it's your choice, do what you want. But he would sometimes remove his presence or his protection from the people. And then eventually they would be conquered by um, an, uh, an invader. They would be oppressed. Their lives would suck. And they would cry out, God, where are you? Come save us. 
And God, since he's pretty merciful and pretty awesome, would send a deliverer, use a supernatural power to do something amazing to deliver them. Um, they go, oh, yeah, God, what were we thinking? And they would turn back to God, and uh, things would go well for a while, and then things were going fine. They'd start depending on themselves, following other religions, and they'd usually fall back into this pattern. And so the story of Gideon, we find the Israels in one of these cycles, in one of the troughs, actually. And they had been oppressed for seven years by these guys named the Midianites. Now, the Midianites were a nomadic tribe. Like, they would come in and invade. They had a bigger army. They had more tanks, which back then probably camels. They would come in. They would totally take over the Israelites. And especially they would come right around harvest time. So the Israelites would do all this work. They'd plant all these fields. And then the Midianites would come and take it all. They would take it for them. They'd take it back to their country. And the Israelites were starving. It says in um, chapter 6 that these Midianites were so, like, oppressive and evil that the Israelites, would, when they would come, they would run for the hills literally. They would move their homes into the caves. They would hide in the cliffs. Um, and they would hide out from them because they would, you know, conquer them every time. And so and it's in these circumstances that we, uh, we find Gideon. And um, <clears throat> it said, like, the Midianites were like locusts. They would come and just <laughs> eat all their food up. So... <clears throat> In, in these pretty bad circumstances, we see how God helps him find his identity despite his circumstances. So that's our first. There's, for today, you're going to see a, a pattern. We'll have the main idea. Hey, we need to find our identity, and there'll be a way that doesn't work and a way that I'd say probably would work better. And so our first way of not, that doesn't work is don't let your circumstances define your identity. And that, we do this a lot, and we see this in Gideon's life. If you look at Gideon's circumstances— the dude is hiding out in a wine press. Now, what is a wine press? It's probably like a stone basin, um, and they would put a bunch of grapes in it, and you'd stump on them, and you'd break that new wine. Um, and so uh, it's out under a tree somewhere, and so Gideon's out hiding out in this basin trying to thresh wheat, which you take the wheat and you crush it and get out the little seeds so you can make flour and make bread for his family. He's probably using a staff, probably a little bit. He's probably just trying to eke out uh, enough food so that they don't starve. Um, normally in those days, they would have a big platform or a big area where they would take oxen and they would stamp out the wheat and thresh it. Um, but in this case, the Midianites would just come and steal it. So uh, Gideon's hiding out. And if, if you saw before in the, in the verse, God calls Gideon a mighty hero, but that is not how Gideon sees himself. He, it says, uh, he, he replies, and I don't have this one in your notes, but you can check it out later. Um, but how can I save Israel my clan is the weakest of Manasseh, and, and I'm the least in my family. Now, Manasseh is the, a tw- one of the tribes of Israel. They are the descendants of the oldest son of Joseph, the guy with many colors, jealousy to Egypt. Remember that? Um, that's just a side note for you. But Gideon <coughs> was—he um, <coughs> he replied, like, I am not the mighty hero. I'm, I'm the weakest. I'm just—I'm a nobody. I'm, I'm not even from the right family. What, what could one guy do? I don't, hey, hey, uh, hey, messenger guy, I don't know if you've seen the circumstances, but Midianites, there's a lot of them, and they conquer us over and over again. Hey, I, I can see the injustice, I can see the problem, but what am I supposed to do about it? And I, I think it's interesting because I feel like that happens to us a lot. 
we can see the injustice in, li- in life, we can see the problems, but we often feel powerless to really do something about it. And that's, and that's where Gideon was. He was in these circumstances that were actually, like, literally, they were really bad. <laughs> like, they were starving, these people kept on conquering them, they were having to hide out in the cliffs. Um, and so, if, if his life was defined by these circumstances, his identity is this guy that's hiding out. So, uh, like us, if, if we let our circumstances define us, um, I think we can often be in somewhat similar situations. Now, we live in America. It's pretty, it's pretty awesome. Um, so thankful. Um, but uh, we often are also trying to just eke out a living, living paycheck to paycheck. Maybe it's driving the kids from one event to another event to another event. Maybe it's just the, like, mundaneness of life. We're, like, trying to escape through some Netflix originals or in social media, or we, we really want to see if that Prime membership actually works in one day, so we spend a bunch of time on that. Um, <clears throat> but Gideon, you know, this picture of Gideon gives us the picture of what it kind of feels like to be powerless and, and when your circumstances define you. So let's look at a better way. What is the better way of knowing your identity? And the better path is, is letting your identity be defined by how God sees you, by God's vision for you. That is a better way. Um, if, if you let your circumstances define you, kind of like Gideon, there's ups and downs in life. Sometimes you're going to have great circumstances, and sometimes you're going to have bad circumstances. And so if your identity is defined by circumstances, it's, it's going to be up and down all the time. But here's the good news. God, whew, God doesn't work, is not held back by circumstances. He's outside of circumstances. Circumstances do not limit God's ability to use you to do amazing things. So instead of listening to your circumstances, man, let, let yourself see, see yourself like God sees you. And, you know, we have Gideon, he's just an average guy trying to survive, but God calls him a mighty hero. Oh, Gideon, you're a mighty hero. And Gideon, and so, so I, I thought about this. I went and looked in the story, and I'm like, okay, is Gideon really a mighty hero? Right now, in this part of the story, I don't feel like he is a mighty hero. Now, I, we don't have every minute of his life. Maybe he's some military guy. I don't know. But as far as I can tell, he's just a dude that's, like, trying to survive. He is not a mighty hero. But I think this is the secret. God is not talking about what he is right this very second. God is seeing what his future holds, what his potential is. He is going to be a mighty hero because God is going to work through him to make that true. So he sees what he could be. And uh, we, we see this a lot of times, like, in the Bible. If you, you think of the story of Abraham, God comes and changes Abraham's name to, like, father of nations. Hey, Abraham, guess what? I'm going to give you so many descendants that you won't be able to count them. They'll be like the sands of the seashore. So many descendants. Guess how many kids God had, or how many kids Abraham has at that moment? Zero. In fact, he, like, he and his wife have not been able to have a kid, right? But God goes, Abraham... You are going to be the father of a nation. Oh, wow. And Abraham's like, uh, okay. <laughs> like, for us, it's kind of tough because we're in, like, the circumstances of now. We're like, hey, I don't, I don't know if you know this, God. I, I don't have any kids. But, ooh, God is, works outside of circumstances. So uh, I, I had the privilege of—so a mighty hero in my life was my youth pastor. Uh, when I was growing up, he inspired me to, um, to work with students and— I think students is such an important ministry in, in a church. Um, elementary is awesome because you're kind of planting that seed that God loves them. Um, but I feel like it's with students where that seed can really sprout and God can show up and that 
relationship with him can become their own. It can become real, and it, it, may, it may impact their life. For the, it's, when they, it's not just they go because they go with their parents, and I'm not saying that's always true with elementary kids, but when you become a student, at least in my life, that's when like, my relationship with God really became my own. And so uh, I worked with students, loved doing that, and, uh, but there was, there was this, always this one kid. It didn't matter what group it was, there was always this one kid, and I took everything within me to not pull a Homer Simpson and just strangle that kid because he was so sassy and so never paid attention, distracted the other kids, was fighting. He was, oh, why, God, why do you put this, why do you give me these people? Like, he's so annoying. Um, but I think God used it to show me um, something that has really impacted my life. And you, you've all heard of, like, rose-colored glasses, but I feel like we can have God-colored glasses in that we, if you take these people that God puts in your life who kind of bug, the, bug you a lot, um, got to keep a G for Jesus, uh, I feel like those are opportunities to allow God to sh- let you see those people like God sees them. And, man, to see their potential, to see what, like, if they were just to give their life over to God, they could be powerful. And often it's, it's pretty amazing that many of these students that when they did give their life over to God, they were powerful because they had already tried doing it their own way. They weren't just going through the motions. They knew that they needed God because they messed up a lot, and, and God, they knew God needed to help them. And so they, they were some of the most committed, some of the most energetic, um, and the most um, in love with Jesus, honestly. And so that was really a good lesson for me is that, God, try to, God help me try to see people how you see them. And it also helps when you think about yourself. Like, Man, if I think about God's standard, whew, I'm not living up to that standard all the time. I don't know about you, maybe you are, but I am not. And I am so thankful that God still loves me anyway and sees the potential in me. And um, I don't know, for you that have had kids, um, it's, it's a pretty good illustration in your life um, if you have the opportunity to have children. Um, man, they bugged me all the time. Whoo! They bug me. Well, they're not here this first service. They might hear a second service. So I'll have to change this part. But, man, sometimes they bug me, right? God, can you just pick up the stuff off the floor? Can you just be a little quieter? It's so loud. Why are you so loud? Um, but, whoo, I, man, I believe in them. I believe God can use them to do amazing things. I love those kids. so. It's amazing how much I love them, even though they're so annoying sometimes. Man, I would, like, I would do anything for those kids. I would, take, I would die for those kids. And good news, God feels the same about us. And he, pro- he proved it through Jesus coming and dying on a cross for us. He loves you so much. He, ooh, the way he sees you, it's amazing. And I think got, we sell ourselves so short on not being able to see ourselves like God sees us. So um, my question to you to this morning is, um, what would surprise you if God said it to you right now? Um, you know, it surely surprised Gideon when God said, hey, mighty hero. He's like, hey, who, who are you talking I don't see anyone else in this wine press. Like, who are you talking about? It's not talking about me. It surprised him. What would surprise you? If you just take a second, what would God say to you that would surprise you? would be like, hey, did you mean the person behind in the seat? No, talking to you. Maybe for you, it's that you need to hear that God loves you. I know I, I'm, I'm, I love love. I love God's love. Maybe you need to hear right now that God loves you super deeply. In your circumstances, maybe you're going through some tough times where you don't feel very loved. 
Maybe you've uh, moved to a new area and you don't feel like you have new friends. Uh, maybe you've gone through some hard relationship issues, broken up or a hard divorce or something like that. Maybe people have let you down. Maybe your kid who you sacrificed your entire life for you said, hey, mommy, uh, I think I hate you. You do nothing for me, and I, daddy is the best, even though we know mommy is the best, right? Um, <clears throat> maybe, they obviously don't mean it, but God, that's, uh, maybe you need to know that God loves you. And like I said, and he proved it. He sent Jesus that we could have a relationship with him, that we can know his love. Maybe you need to hear that you're forgiven. Um, like I said, I, I mess up, and, you know, I know people have gone through hard things in their life. They made choices that didn't work out. Uh, sometimes it's their choice. Sometimes it's other choices that lead to stuff that are hurtful and um, leave us in kind of this place where we're like, ugh. Um, yeah, that's a formal definition there. Um, some, some of you might be in that place where, man, something that's in, happened in your past just holds you back from what God has for you because you're just stuck in that, ugh. Yeah, but if you just knew what, what I've done or what's happened. Um, but God, the good news is God wants to forgive you. And you, man, sometimes we feel like we don't really deserve that forgiveness. Like, hey, I asked for forgiveness and I did the same thing. Like, what I, how many times can I ask for forgiveness? Well, good news is that is the definition of God's mercy. It's g- holding back what we deserve. It's holding back that, that lack of presence. Like, we choose to do our, our own thing all the time. But good news is Jesus came that we could have that renewed relationship with God, that we can keep that presence with God even through the mistakes and the things as we're being um, perfected. So uh, maybe uh, the last thing, you know, you need to hear is, or uh, what you need to hear is, hey, good job, good and faithful servant. Maybe you feel like, hey, I I really don't have any skills. I'm kind of like the sidekick to the heroes. Uh... You know, I, I just go behind people, and I do the stuff that no one sees, no one really wants to do, and, you know, it's fine, but uh, I don't know. I kind of feel like I'm growing weary and, and doing those things. Um, man, maybe you need to hear God saying, oh, good job, good and faithful servant. And I'm not saying this is always true, but in the Bible, it kind of says that sometimes those people out in front, those heroes, uh, they get their reward through the acclamation from the, of having the people see them. But often those people in the background, they're storing those treasures up in heaven. And, man, whew, that's worth it. And so maybe you need to hear this morning, don't grow weary. Keep on going, good and faithful servant. Maybe it's none of those things. Um, maybe God is saying something else to you. And, uh, and I just invite you to, for like five seconds, if we can just be quiet, be present, um, not be thinking, what, hey, help this guy stop talking so long so I can go have lunch. If you can just be here for a second, like, Listen to what comes into your head of what God might be saying to you this morning. What is, what is the thing that you need to hear that you'd be surprised? First, we'll be quiet for like five seconds. It's so weird being quiet. It's hard being quiet, especially for me. Um, so hopefully God talked to you. Um, hello? My name is Matt Vaughn, and I am a recovering people pleaser. That's where you say, hello, Matt. Hello, Matt. Uh, <clears throat> I, I really like people to like me. Um, and even more, I actually really like it when people like each other. Like, I want people to get along. I like peace. I like harmony. I love, I, 
don't like conflict. I, I just can't, God, can we just get along? Can we just like each, love each other? Assume the best in people. Um, and so there's a story while I was in seventh grade. Uh, it was Valentine's Day, and there was this girl who I thought she was pretty awesome. She was pretty, she was charismatic, she was nice to everyone, which is why I liked her, because I was the dork, and she was nice to me. Um, I wore the wrong clothes, I, uh, I was socially awkward, um, probably saying the now, but, uh, <coughs> and I, I thought, okay, well, it's not working out with my peers, so maybe if I act like I'm really smart, my teachers will like me, but that didn't work well with my peers either, to be the sm- try to be the smartest. Um, and so, anyway, there's this girl, so I go, okay, she, got a chance because she's nice to me. She's pretty nice to me. So I bring her flowers. And I bring her flowers in the first period and give them to her. And she's, oh, she's super gracious. She's nice. She gives me a little hug. We kind of sit there awkwardly. People are like, who gave you those flowers? She's like, uh, Matt. And so it, nothing came of it. Now, she was in my seventh, sixth, sixth period science class. And for the rest of the year, I'd sit and stare at her and go, I wonder what she's saying about me right now. What is she thinking about me right now? Ah, what is she saying? And her and her friend, they would literally do this. Look, what are they saying? Finally, at the end of the year, um, I uh, got enough courage to go up and ask her friend, like, what were you guys saying all those days? She's like, uh, we just thought it was kind of creepy that you're always staring at us. What were why were you doing that? <laughs> ah, do man, my insecurity of wondering what people would like to me is self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Man, it took a long time for me to, and I still am working on it. I, 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 don't, I don't know if I get it, but like, man, if, if we could just see ourselves and have, walk in the confidence of knowing who God has made us to be and not be so worried about what people think of us, whoo, what freedom, Man, and it probably would work out better with people around us, too, because we'd have a confidence. We'd have, man, hey, God loves me. Hey, guess what? He loves you, too. Hey, you, you think I'm dumb? That's okay. I still like you, right? So, man, walking in that confidence of God's love, I think, is a secret to, uh, man, having influence with people and having a pretty awesome life. So, um, I don't know if I lost track of our, our slides, but step number two, learning from Gideon's life, bringing it back. Let go of your butts. Yep, I said it, butts. Some of you are taking a double take right now. Some of you are offended. And uh, you have to remember that uh, I worked with students for 13 years, and I was targeting that 13-year-old boy. Girls, too, but they were easier because they actually paid attention. 13-year-old boys, and maybe I'd get a little bit credit with the butt. And I was working on this, getting ready, and one of my sons, who is in this age group, comes by and goes, Dad, are you going uh, to talk about butts at church? That's weird. I'm like, I'm keeping the butts. But if you're offended, you can say excuses. Uh, so let's, let's uh, <clears throat> once you know your identity, once you know what uh, God wants you to do, usually what happens is we get stuck in our butts. Oh, wait, in our excuses. We're getting stuck in our excuses. Sorry, that was taken too far. I apologize. Um, that wasn't actually in the words. Um, <clears throat> if we look at Gideon, he has very similar reactions to what many of us would do. His first reaction is, this messenger, is this guy really from God? Is this what God's really saying? Maybe he's just a crazy dude. His second reaction is to doubt God himself. God, if, are, why is, if, if you're so awesome, why are bad things happening to me right now? 
So we see um, here, and we'll look at the next verse of what happens. So God calls Gideon a mighty hero, and he says, Sir, this is to the messenger, Gideon replied, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? If God is so great, why is there so many bad things in the world? And where are all these miracles our ancestors told us about? Didn't they say the Lord brought us up out of Egypt? If you've seen Prince of Egypt, great movie, all the plagues, miracles, helped him out, the whale in the water. I don't know if there's really whales in the Red Sea, but it was a pretty awesome part. I love that part. God, I, I hear these stories that God did some amazing things, but if that's true, where is he at? <clears throat> and here comes, but now the Lord has abandoned us and handed us over to these Midianites. And then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I'm sending you. So if you look at this, all Gideon's frustrations spill out. Remember, this guy's been kind of oppressed for a while. <laughs> He's like, ugh, God, you, I feel like you've let me down. You've let my countrymen down. These things aren't working. I, I like your idea, but I don't, I don't know how I'm going to do it. I, I, in fact, I'm not even sure if you can do it. Um, and in all of his complaints, he's kind of missing something, which I think is also a good lesson for us, is God wants to use him to do something about it. God sees the cries of the people. God is going to do something about it, but he chooses to use Gideon. How often is that maybe true in our lives? We're so frustrated about what's going on. But God wants to use us to even make a small difference. So, um, <clears throat> here's kind of the first thing that doesn't work is sometimes we let our doubts paralyze us um, from, from moving forward. So let's, let's not let our doubts paralyze us. Paralyze us. Um, so, you know, I think we get to know who we are. We know what God wants to do, but then we're like, okay, I'm going to do it. I'm going to go after it. But first, I need to be 100% confident in what God wants to do. And I, I need to make sure I have everything I have, every, all the things I need to do it, and, uh, and then I'll go do what God would want me to do. I, um, good plan, God, but um, I'm not sure if I really have the time. Hey, God, good plan, but I'm not sure if I really have great skills. I don't have um, nunchuck skills. I don't have bow hunting skills. I don't have computer hacking skills. I can't even draw a good li a liger. Um, uh, hey, God, you want me to talk to the adults? You do know that I talk to first graders, and they spend more time under their chair on top than on top of their chair, and so it doesn't really matter what I say because they probably aren't listening anyway. Like, God, the adults, what if I miss a fill-in? People are going to be looking around going like, what do I do? He missed a fill-in, and it'll be a disaster, and I'll never be able to come back. Anyway, we have these doubts, and they can paralyze us, right? Ooh, but I, I think there's a better way. We've got to take the first step despite our fears. We got to trust that, like, man, God shows up in the midst of the wine press while, God, while Gideon is still hiding. Um, and and you, you might be hiding out right now. Uh, there's some change, some purpose that God has given you in your life, and man, you're, you're sort of hiding out. Maybe for you, it's you're in some dead-end job that's unfulfilling, and uh, man, you kind of have this feeling that God wants you to go after something bigger, something different, at least. Um, but you're like, ugh. Kind of pays the bills. I mean, what's the worst thing that could happen is I could be unemployed and, and not be able to pay my bills. That, that sounds kind of bad. I think I'll just stick what I'm doing. Maybe for you, it's like you're hiding in a relationship. It's like, 
hey, I, I feel like either God's asking me to pursue, or I, I have this desire to pursue a relationship, or maybe to step back from a relationship, but that fear in us is like, hmm, worst thing that can happen is I could be the alone the rest of my life. I could be rejected. I, um, hey, you know, sometimes things are good, so let's better just leave it how it is. Um, maybe you're hiding from some God-given dream um, in the good things. I feel like, for me, this is often true, is like, I'm doing good stuff. It's good, but it's maybe not a great thing that God has for me because I'm like, hey, I'm too busy doing this good stuff, God. Like, why don't, I don't have time for your great thing because I'm doing good things. Um, and, and sometimes those uh, can be things that we hide in. Um, I know at work I have this thing. I actually really do literally want to get a shirt that says Captain Obvious because I say Captain Obvious things all the time. Hey, the reason that you're hiding maybe is because you're afraid. Bum, bum, bum. I know, deep, deep. We, we talk about being deep here at Silver Lake or Silver uh, Creek. Uh, I don't even know where we're at right now. Uh, it's, all, it's all falling for Brent. I'm, so, I'm sorry. Um, anyway, uh, <clears throat> you know, we often are afraid. And I even noticed this at work. Um, we had like this life coachy kind of guy that came to our work. It was actually pretty helpful. Um, and it often came back to you like, what are you afraid of, dude? Like, why aren't you going to go after that thing? You, it seems like you're afraid of something. And often the case, at times, it was actually true. And you don't think of this in the context of your work often. But, like, it, it was good to ask, hey, what am I afraid of? Like, what am I worrying is the worst-case situation? Like, worst case, I guess I could get fired, but it's pretty unlikely, right? And so go for it. Um, and so I, I guess the thing I want to leave you with this section is just, you know, who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust that little voice that's from your fears that thinks about, like, the worst-case th- situation that can happen? Or, or are you going to trust um, what God is saying? All right, on to the third point. And by the way, I had way too many words, so we're going to go really fast on the back page, so don't worry. We're, all, we're getting there. We're getting there. I'm not going to be that guy. Okay, number three, embrace your weaknesses. Now, you might go, Matt, embrace your weaknesses. Now, if you're in church, maybe that makes sense, but uh, for those of you who don't, hey, Matt, uh, I've read a few self-help books, and most of them do not say embrace your weaknesses. Um, but I actually think this is a pretty important part of uh, letting God do something significant in your life. Because you might have, you know your identity, you're willing to take the first step, but then you're like, wait a minute, like, literally, I don't have the time, I don't have the skills, I don't have the experiences, I don't have the resources or money to do what God is asking me to do. Like, I'm not just having doubts, I literally don't, right? You find yourself in a place where, like, there's some weaknesses, there's some gaps, and what we normally would do is we just fall back, okay, well, God's asked me to do it, then maybe he just wants me to do the stuff I actually can do with the resources I do have. But I think that's where we miss it, because yes, he wants us to use what we have and to go do those things, but if we just scope it down to what's within our control, we miss out on the extraordinary thing that God wants to show up and do sometimes. Um, and so if we, because we are often so focused on our resources, what we can do, our perspective, how, our understanding, but we miss that God's perspective, God's understanding, God's scope of what he sees through all of time is way, way bigger than ours. And so we got to remember that, man, even though we don't understand it, maybe we see a gap. God can, is outside of circumstances and can show up and fill that gap. So uh, we don't want to just solely rely on our own strength. Um, and understanding. Um, and when we do that, we sometimes miss out on the fullness of, that God has for us. Um, so, 
what we do want to do instead is allow God's strength to be illustrated through our weakness. So instead of just relying on your own strength, let's watch God and see what he's going to do in your situation. Um, you can let him see, use your weakness. So what am I talking about here? Like, I, we probably don't even need to do this part. Like, hey, if I said, hey, what are your strengths? You're like, uh, take me a while. Come on, I don't want to be humble, whatever. But if I ask you what your weakness is, you probably come up with a pretty good list. At least I feel like I could, right? What are those things that are holding you back? It's maybe uh, lack of resources, lack of time, um, feeling like you, you, don't have, you don't know what to do, um, something that's happened in the past, uh, a physical um, problem like, you know, we saw with Paul, we, a lot of commentators think he had some kind of physical thing, and he would ask for God to take it away, but for some reason God didn't, and so he, he allowed that thing to be something he'd boast about because it allowed God to work through him um, in some way. I'm not sure what it was, maybe blindness or something. Um, <clears throat> so uh, let's see how God brings this truth out in Gideon's life and the rest of the, the pretty cool part of the story. So if we look in uh, Judges chapter 7, uh, Here's the good news. Gideon calls the people of Israel and says, hey, God told me to go after the Midianites. So good news, 32,000 people, fighting men, show up to come fight with Gideon. It's pretty good. I I was actually kind of impressed. Like, here's this average Joe guy. He says, hey, God told me to go fight the Midianites, and like 32,000 men show up. That's pretty good. Like, if I was going to go after Canada, which I don't think I would because I love Can- Canadians because they're super nice and they like each other like I like you people, uh, uh, 32,000 would be pretty good, right? But here is the bad news. The Midianites had 155,000 fighting men. And it says in the Bible that they had more, just like the Abraham's descendants thing, they used this metaphor of they had so many camels, it was like the sands on the seashore. A lot of camels. Um, and, <clears throat> and so they're... Gideon is faced with, these, with, with this fight, with these odds that are four to one. And, and I haven't gone to West Point. I've not been in the military. I honor those that have. Um, but I have played one on a video game. And uh, it turns out that four to one odds are not very good. Unless you have, like, better technology, unless you can get them in a bottleneck through some natural thing, and they have to, you can only fight less people because there's only one more at a time. Um, you know, maybe if you surprise them, you could maybe win. And I looked up in the history, there's a couple of situations where in similar odds, um, some fighting force did win. But it's not very good odds. And so we look and see, what does God think of, of Gideon's 32,000 men? And uh, it's pretty awesome because God says, hmm, here's the problem. Uh, <clears throat> if, if I let you have 32,000 men, um, you guys might think that you did it on your own strength. So we're going to go ahead and take your 32,000 men, and we're going to get it down to 300 people. Now, wait a minute. Four to one odds, 300 to 155,000. I did the math because I can't actually do math on calculator. Um, And it's 450 people to one. Like, that is some pretty bad odds. And so let's let's see what um, in the next verse, and I think it's in your slides, it says, The Lord said to Gideon, You have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they save themselves by their own strength. This is like a pretty funny part of the Bible. <laughs> like, hey, he, you know, what would Gideon's probably like, hmm, God, I got these 32,000 people. I bet, you know, your supernatural power, you can like triple them. Some magic out of, some more people are going to come out of the woodwork, and we're going to have more people, and that's how we're going to win. Because we often think, like, we have this idea of how God should show up, and Gideon's probably like, okay, he's going to like make more people show up or something, or give us like, 
you know, flaming swords or something. Something awesome, right, that could help us. But no, God says, hey, you have too many guys. And so here's how he gets it down to 300. First he says, hey, what you're going to do, Gideon, go talk to your, pe- people, your troops, and I want you to tell them that if they don't want to fight today, they're scared, they can just go home. It's fine. We're not going to think bad of them. So guess what? Hey, if you were part of this 32,000-man force, and you're going to go fight the 155,000, the odds pre- seem pretty bad. Like, I think I would go home. Hey, fine, I can go home. Cool. <laughs> 22,000 people leave when he says, hey, if you want to go home, you can go. What's actually surprising is that the 10,000 people stayed, especially if you're watching the 22,000 people leave, right? 10,000 people are left. And bows, like who can shoot the best, some wrestling, something like that. Nope. God says, hey, go tell your people, those three, those, the 10,000 people left, go have them drink from the river. And anyone who gets on their belly and like sucks up the water, like on their hands, like close to the water, um, see who those people are. And then the people who get on their knee and like get it in their hands and like, like get it from their hands, um, keep those people. And so 300 people did it with a cup of their hands and all the rest did it on their bellies. So God says, send all the belly people home. Okay, God, that's not what I was expecting. But, okay, okay, we got these 300. What do you want us to do now? I, like, I have no plan here. Like, 300 people going into this gigantic valley with 155,000 men. Like, I don't have a plan. So God, we'll do whatever you say because I don't know what to do. So God tells them, divide your troops into 100 and 100 and 100. They get a horn. They get a, a clay jar. They put in a torch. And uh, he says, okay, this is what we're going to do. At the night, it's going to be nighttime. You're going to be surrounding the Canaanite, or the Midianites. And I want you to break your jar so all the lights come on at the same time. I want you to blow your horn. And I want you to say, for the sword of Gideon or something like that. And you can check to make sure those words are exactly right. They do this. God sends confusion into the Midianite camp. They think they're surrounded. They actually start fighting their, themselves. And they all run away. And if you read the rest of the story, later on, the other tribes come and chase the Midianites. And they, they get wiped out. Like hundreds, like 122,000 men were slain um, by the Israelites through God's supernatural work in their life. So, you know, bringing it home, bringing it home. Uh, <clears throat> God um, wants to uh, help us see that he's amazing, and he, he, he wants to see through that weakness that he can show up in a real way in your life and affect the world around you. So, Discover your identity of God who sees how he sees you. Uh, don't be paralyzed by your doubts and your fears. And embrace that weakness because that's when God can show up. Okay? Uh, I will just tell you the fill-ins because I know for some people that is really bugging you. Uh, so on the back, uh, God calls us to what seems like mission impossible. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, mission impossible. Um, there's lots of examples. You can see the verses. Two, someone... Um, I don't even know the fill-ins. Let me look. What? <gasps> you guys, you guys know. It's amazing. Someone trusts. Oh, yeah, they're on the slide. Number three, uh, God uses the little to show uh, how great he is. And finally, God works through us to accomplish his will. All right, let's pray. Hey, God, um, thank you so much for the opportunity to um, hear from you this morning. And God, if if people can have uh, a bottom line this morning is, man, if they could just leave with seeing themselves the way you see them, God, that you love them, that you've forgiven them, that you want to use them to do amazing things, God. And for those that maybe are already walking in that, um, man, just encourage them that they could um, 
make a difference for someone, um, someone that you put in their life. And finally, for the person who showed up this morning and they're like, man, I don't even know what this guy's talking about. God, show, again, show them how much you love them and that they can have a relationship with you if they just choose to do things your way. God, ooh, man, let us know how much you love you uh, and how much you love us. Amen.